welcome to the second Fill and Frequency uh, podcast. First one was on horror, and now we're outside in the in the depths of winter. We've well lost started. our. Uh lost our studio. <laughs> lost our studio, only had it for one one day and we've been thrown out because the first podcast was so bad. Um, no, we're, we've decided to do this one outside, socially distanced. I'd say I'm about over a metre, <laughs> metre and a half, metre and a half away from you. Yeah, yeah, we've got great, the tape measure right. The great outdoors of four winds. And um, the background music of the lawnmower. Yeah, we've got the lawnmower going, we've got some birds. It's Just to remind people what the outdoors is like again, you know, during lockdown. <laughs> What's the idea? The great outdoors of film frequency. Yes, so today we're going to be talking about our top 10 lockdown films. Um, so this is going to be from March, films we've watched from March until now, I suppose, um, November. Which I'm pretty sure if we do a top 10 films of 2020 at the end of the year, it's not going to be much different than this. <laughs> you know, unless we see some stellar films in the next uh, yeah. in the next month and a I half. I don't even have, I've kind of got like a top 6 where I've rated them all 8 out of 10 on IMDb. And not none of them are films that came out this year. So for me, the best films have not been 2020 films. I do think one of mine was out this year, and I can't even confirm that. One of the Netflix ones always be my movie. Um, it just fits in with uh, just this year in general. The rubbishness of this year, yeah. <laughs> I know. Um, so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna break it up. We're not gonna go through each other's ten and nine and eight. We don't wanna make it too boring for anyone listening. So we're gonna break it up into. Th- Three sections for me and two sections for Mark. Uh, so yeah. I'm going to start with um, my first section, which is animated films. So w- you've nice. watched a lot of the Ghibli ones this year as well, haven't you? Yes, uh, the Studio Ghibli films. They all got released on Netflix, I believe. They, they kind of tapered them in over March and April. Mm. Um, so it was a really good way to start off the lockdown back then. Yeah, I had... Um, collecting them. I'd watched, I think, I think I've, I'd seen Spurted Away, I've seen some of the Hayao Miyazaki ones, but I decided at the start of lockdown to you know, chronologically go through them from the first Ghibli film all the way to the last one. Now, I haven't finished it, I've only went through the first 10 years of their movies. Um, How many films is there in total? I think there's about 22 or 21 films, and I think 13, 14 of them are done by Hayao Miyazaki. Himself. So he does, he's most of the director. Oh, I thought he did more than that. I thought Probably it was like does. 19. No, 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 I literally don't know. I'm just... <laughs> so, my, someone's going to correct us on that. It's probably quite a few. Um, the other one is Aizu Takahara. He was he made about three or four Ghibli films. a good films. pronunciation. I would have definitely uh, <laughs> mucked that up. I had to have at least like 20 takes to get that right. Yeah, and actually funny, out of the, all the ones I've watched, Takahara's films are the ones that have added to my list or in my top ten. None of them are, are Miyazaki's ones. Even though I'm a big fan of those films, the Takahata ones for me are just... Are the better ones? Are a step okay. above. Because I think the... the um, any of his really popular ones, the Takahata ones? Yeah, so number 10 for me was Grave of the Fireflies. It's an um, animated film based on World War II about a young boy and a young girl whose mother has died um, as a result of the bombing in Japan. Is this one of his older films? Yeah, so this is yeah. Takahata's first film, I believe. No, he, he has worked with... Um, Miyazaki on a lot of the movies. Um, okay. You know, he's maybe produced them. Or he's he's worked in the um, he's worked in the background. A lot of these the animators are all kind of interlinked with the Ghibli movies. But Groove of the Fireflies, it's it's very very depressing and sad. It's a it's a lot about the you know the results of war and you know um, about people being orphans. Is it World War Two? World War Two. Yeah, I think so. I believe it's World War Two. That would be interesting to see there. T- what was their take on? the position of the Japanese army 
it, it doesn't really focus much on the army. It really is only on these two, these two kids that have lost their parents, and they're kind of just. A lot of people have left this. You know, the cities are now getting abandoned. People are, you know, are leaving um, for safety, and it's these two kids. They find a cave and they start living in the cave, and it's mainly about how they try to survive. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, they're children, so how. I don't want to give anything away, but you know, it's it's not good. It's right. you know, two two kids. One, I think the youngest, the the boy is maybe about thirteen, fourteen, and then his his sister is maybe five or six. Okay. And it's very much about you know showing it from a child's point of view. What it's like. On that note, actually, you've said about what uh, you know a World War Two film based on from a child's perspective. Um, over lockdown, which isn't in the top ten I've got here, but I watched Empire of the Sun, the Steven Spielberg film from the nineties, with a young Christian Bale. I've never, I didn't even know Christian Bale was a child actor, but um, he's also the same sort of situation of him in, I think it was in China, mm-hmm. when does the Japanese invade China during World War Two? Sure, my, Not sure. my history is shocking. Yeah, it's pretty well. But um, it's from his perspective. The whole film's from a child's perspective of war. And he gets separated from his parents. Sounds like quite a similar story. Yeah, maybe it's maybe they were kind of interlinked. There was a lot of inspiration from one to the other, mm-hmm. possibly. Uh, the second animated film, um, only yesterday. I think that's going to be my second one. All all four of these, I can I think I give five, five out of five on oh, Letterbox or ten, five out of ten. Ten out of ten out of ten on IMDb. <laughs> yeah, we haven't quite decided on our, our rating system. <laughs> yeah. Thought you were going to say five out of ten, and that's your top. Ten and nine films. <laughs> um, this one, Aisu Takahara again. Uh, it came out in nineteen ninety one, one year before um, before I was born. Interestingly, so this is the synopsis of the film: a twenty seven year old office worker travels to the countryside while reminiscing about her childhood in Tokyo. So I actually watched this on the last day of my twenty seventh year, so just before my twentieth birthday. So it was kind of it was very apt, and it is a. Once again, it's not very sad, this one, but it's very melancholic. It's, you know, her going to the countryside, all very beautiful scenarios. It, it really, a lot of flashbacks to her as a child. And then you actually start to see her memories kind of exist within the world that she's in. So you start to see the young girl running about and you see kind of characters from her youth show up in the in the future. So all uh-huh. it gets to be a bit metaphysical and stuff, which is um, kind of like what the Ghibli ones are about, you know, it's kind of... Yeah, I could see that fitting quite nicely into his films. Very, quite dreamy. Yeah, yeah it's a very... Lo- it's a much more beautiful story than the Grave of the Fireflies, which is a lot more harrowing and... Right, okay. Coming. Very great film as well, um, Only Yesterday. Which one came first? Grave um, of the Fireflies or... Great question, let me just check that. So, Only Yesterday was out in 1991, Grave of the Fireflies was out in if my phone nineteen eighty eight. Oh very oh, soon. It's very close to yeah. each other. Couple of a few years later. So next up which actually out of all the Ghibli ones, this is my favourite one out of even all of the Miyazaki ones. It's called right. Whisper of the Heart. This is a six out of five film, you know, this is I have amazing. to watch that. I don't even think I've got it on my watch list. Gold standard. I think it's amazing. It's a love story between a girl who loves reading books and a boy who has previously checked out all the library books she chooses. Which is very <laughs> specific. That's the it is not, not the most promising description, description. there. Um, so kind of this young girl. She doesn't quite know what she's doing with her life. She hasn't really decided. She loves making stories, but she doesn't think she's very good at it. And she meets this young boy who's he's a bit um, standoffish. And she doesn't really like him, you know, it's kind of this kind of first love, another 
guy who she thinks is a bit of a Did Miyazaki dick. direct this one? No, so this is by a guy called uh, Yoshifumi Kondo, which is, I think I was mentioning, this was the only film he directed. Oh, so this isn't underneath uh, Studio Ghibli? Under Studio oh, it Ghibli, is, it yeah. is. So this oh, is right, one, okay. of the, one of the few other directors from Ghibli, uh, other than... Because Ghibli okay. doesn't really do rom- exclusive romances. Mm. From the ones I've seen, they're not, none of them are, well, there's a... There's hints of romance, but yeah. they're not solidly romance. This seems a lot more... Yeah. Is um, it? More solidly. There's a wee bit of, like... There's a cat. There's this, like, statue of a cat that comes alive. Right. And she kind of takes her on, like, a dreamy journey um, to discover herself, which is only a small section of the... If you look at the poster, you think that that's a big part of the movie, but it's literally a scene, luckily, because... I feel like there isn't a single... Can you think of a Studio Ghibli film that doesn't have a magical element in it? <laughs> Come to think of it now. Um, no, I don't no, think I think so. all of them have like some sort of magicalness to them. Not that that's a bad thing no, at all. No. Just uh, it sounded very grounded there, and then it was mm. the cat, and I was like, oh yeah, that'd be studio Ghibli there. Yeah, the girl's only, I mean, I think she's maybe like 12 or something, so it's right. kind of like a childhood, a, a childhood romance. It doesn't really, um, but yeah. it, oh, it's a great movie. It has, um, you know, Country Roads Take Me Home. That John Denver song. What? It's kind of a huge part of that movie. So that does not seem like a Studio Ghibli song. So the, the film the film starts with a, a cover. If you listen to it with the English um, subtitles, it starts with the Olivia Newton John cover of the of the song. What? Um, it, uh, and then there's the young girl adapts her own lyrics. She makes up her own lyrics for the song, which becomes quite a part of the story as well. But it's it's a great movie. It's once again very, you know, ethereal kind of. Mm-hmm romanticised, beautifully shot, you know, the lo- it's all about the location, it builds the location really well, where the girl lives, her home, her family, uh-huh. um, where she goes to school, the characters are fantastic. It, it's just, it's Ghibli, but it's not Totoro's and, you know, flying machines, there's no fantastical element to it, if you know what I mean. But yeah, it's pretty good. Um, and the final animated film is nothing like any of the Ghibli ones, it's called Perfect Blue, it's by a director called Satoshi Kon. I haven't watched any of his films before. I had heard about this one, and I'll give you the description. A pop singer gives her career, gives up her career to become an actress, but she slowly goes insane when she starts being stalked by an obsessed fan, and what seems to be a ghost of her past. Sounds pretty dark. It was. It's very dark. It's you know this is not a film for kids at all. There's you know there's elements of rape in the movie. Wow. Um, it's very hard going. It is. And is this also studio Ghibli? No, no. This no, is this one studio, isn't. This is this is, I'm say. not quite sure the studio who, who made the film, but very heavy going. Um, it's it's a really good movie. It's yeah. really solid. Very scary. Never thought of seeing an anime. Mm, I have not watched like something as yeah. serious and dark mm-hmm. as, as as that sort of topic. Very dark very well well made movie okay yeah. very big fan of it so yeah that's my top four animation and that's my top four of my ten for the lockdown oh, yeah I was going to say something that I've forgotten now about the studio uh, one of your films uh, before maybe mm. I'll remember about it in a minute um, there's a few as well that I've watched um, Studio Ghibli that'll mm. be in my list um, okay in fact one of them makes it up into the top six of mine um which we'll get over to in a minute. Um, I watched, um, in fact, one of the animes I've watched during lockdown was Your Name. Have you heard of it? I have heard of it, but I haven't seen it. Um, so it's quite a recent anime um, that I believe that Hollywood have greenlit a uh, uh, Hollywood version of it, like mm. a, an American yeah. version of yeah. the anime, like a live action version. Um, 
It came out in 2016, and it's about the synopsis is two strangers find themselves linked in a bizarre way, and it's it's very it's a take it's like a Japanese take on Freaky Friday, where two people a body swap oh. happens basically, mm. but it's artistically done rather than like kind of cheap. Um, and it's really really cool and these two people don't know each other for once normally it's like family members that swap their bodies mm. and I, I'm a big fan of actually Freaky Friday and things so I like this sort of concept and it's really really the animation is amazing absolutely amazing I think it won maybe the Oscar for best animation don't quote me on that I will look that <laughs> up uh, later it got nominations anyway um, anyway um, the so starting my number 10 um, The King I watched on Netflix. Um, it stars Timothy Chalamet, and um, I believe he's King Henry in it. Um, Robert Pattinson as well. He's Robert well. Pattinson is also in it. He is the French king, who's an absolute douchebag in it. <laughs> I feel like this is one of these um, recent Robert Pattinson films where he's really went out there with the character. He did the same with the Netflix film that just came out recently with Tom Holland in it. Um, Devil All the Time. Devil All the Time. I'm glad you're here from these <laughs> titles, Corey. Um, so, um, it was actually, I, I remember seeing the reviews, it kind of got a mixed reviews. No one seemed to kind of pass by without anyone saying much about it. But I thought it was actually very good. Um, I had it here. And um, it is quite slow, I'll, I'll be honest. But I think it works quite well in being slow because it really gives it time to sink in and it's not che- it doesn't come across as a cheap type of um, war film um, yeah so he's uh, King Har- uh, Harold um, sorry King Henry sorry but he's called Hal that's what they used to call him and um, I didn't, didn't know much history behind it but um, really interesting film um, Timothée Chalamet is good in it as well and the action's pretty good as, uh, as well um, an actor who's in it oh, who was it um, Joe Ed- Joel Edgerton oh, yeah. I'm a big fan of him um, he writes a lot of films and starting to direct and things and uh, he's the right hand man for the for Timothy Chalamet's King and um, I think he wrote some of this as well so um, yeah I would recommend it um, another film I watched these are some older films Viva Vendetta mm. have you seen it? I have yeah I haven't seen it in a long time now but I have I have seen it um, I've, I've heard a lot of people talk about it um, and that it was quite different from the average type of film and it really is um, is it a, um, who directs it the Wachowskis I think so uh, I and they're quite so. out there with their directing I'm asking you these questions but <laughs> I should know these um, it's interesting because V for Vendetta is, is um, set in 2020 and it's, there's a pandemic that is, is oh, it's 2020 set in 2020 and there's a pandemic Wachowskis. that is, uh, has affected the entire world so yeah, it's not not talking about anything, but didn't realize when watching it how uh, relatable it was. Very relatable. Um, and it is all about like a communist government occurring in Britain, um, which is a really cool topic because these sort of things you don't see in cinema really, and an uprising that happens with this um, kind of vigilante who is V, and um, and then this girl kind of innocent girl uh, that's played by Natalie Portman gets brought into the fray um, and it's it's a really good film yeah really interesting topic and certainly one of the better Wachowski films I think because um, they really go out there with their films don't they it's kind of um, you know everything or nothing with mm. them yeah just checking here they wrote it but it was a guy called James McTeague who directed it 
Oh, yeah. Um, he did The Raven as well and Ninja Assassin. I've never heard um, of them. I don't think I've seen either of them either myself. And he was also the second unit on the Matrix. Maybe oh, that's nice. where yeah, the connection. he came across, yeah. Um, but, yeah, because Wojcicki's are responsible for the Matrix, so they are there for bigger ideas, and yeah. you always need that in filmmaking. Um, it's nice to see that, and it, 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 I think it worked in this case. Uh, it's quite dark as well. They also have um, the theme to it is really impressive. And I, when I listened to it, I was thinking, I've heard that before. I've mm-hmm. definitely, and it's not been this film because I've never seen this film. And uh, it turned out it's the Interstellar um, trailer music. Ah, yeah, the music for the trailer. Um, and it's really good. It's really, really good music. I even listen to it sometimes when I'm running. Um, my other two in my uh, the like six to ten on my list are I decided to throw in a 2020 film, which is maybe uh-huh. my favourite, which is Eurovision. Oh. <laughs> That's where we were at with oh, 2020. Wow. That this might be the best film that I've seen in, in 2020 is that That's Eurovision wild. film with Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams. Rachel McAdams. I am so bad <laughs> with getting names off the top of my head. Um, I love Rachel McAdams and I do like Will Ferrell as well. And this is one of the better Will Ferrell ones um, compared to what he's come out with the past few years. Yeah. This um, it's not a perfect comedy, but it's I would say it's worth watching oh 100 yeah i think we me and my dad put it on on a whim one afternoon and i thought it was hilarious it was it was really funny and quite heartwarming at the, at the end <laughs> and the songs were great as well the songs were pretty good oh, it's, yeah it's, it's frustrating and, and you know i do not like eurovision it's one of the things no. when people hype eurovision and i just don't like it i'm not a fan i don't i don't watch it yeah. but maybe it's great yeah and they really i thought they um tapped into the eurovision culture really really well as well that could have went really badly if they didn't get that right because Eurovision so camp and over the top and they kind of took the, the piss of it basically mm, yeah. Um, so yeah really good really quite funny and um, that might be the best film for me of 2020 That's we'll see bad. where we are in a month's time um, and then the final one I'm going to put in here is Risky Business mm. um, which is a film uh, Tom Cruise film I think this was the film that can't really put him into the spotlight mm. um, he was young in it and it's a very similar film to um Thingy's Day Out, what's he called? Uh, <laughs> let me get the film. Uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Ferris Off. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Not Day Out, Day Off. So it's. I didn't realise how the, how similar the plot was to it. Um, is it very similar? I it don't is, think I've seen Risky Business. It's like a young teenager being left home alone, kind of, and then getting way over their heads mm. in trouble, but having a cocky side to it as well, which is... So it's a little bit less cocky than what Ferris Bueller was. Mm. But, um, and I actually think it's maybe a better film than Ferris Bueller. I wasn't the biggest fan of Ferris Bueller when I watched it, mm-hmm. but this was good. And um, Tom Cruise is great in it. I, I'm a massive, I, I, the more the time goes on, the more of a fan I'm becoming of Tom Cruise. Yeah. And this is back when he was doing more serious type acting. Mm. So yeah, that's my 10 to 6. 10 to 6, okay. So it's my turn next. Just checking our audio, make sure it's 100%. It's kind of louder on your side than it is on my side. Maybe I need to talk louder. Um, Okay, so my next section is... I think I'll go for my international films. I think most of them are European. Um, We'll start at number nine. And this is one of the few films that I've actually seen in the cinema this quarantine. So we did go back. I know you watched Tenant as well. Yes. Is that the only only film you saw during Um, lockdown at at a cinema? Yes, that's Mm. the only one, Tenant. We saw Tenant and we saw... I saw Tenant and New Mutants, probably two of the worst 2020 films now, <laughs> all things considered. Um, yeah. Luckily, we went to the KFT to see the 4K restoration of Lahain, 
So it's a French black and white film. Um, it's set in 1995, I believe. Let me just double check who the director of that one is. Uh, good thing we can pause and then I can just edit all this out while I, while I just talk about shit for one second. Um, and get back into character. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Lehane, it was, yeah, 1995 it came out. So this is its um, 25 year anniversary, if my math is uh, correct. Yes. Um, 4K restoration, black and white, crisp, beautifully crisp on the on the QFT screen. Um, it's 24 hours, 24 hours in the lives of three young men in the French suburbs the day after a violent riot. Now this was very relevant because of all the riots in America and stuff. Similar, different uh, situation, but you know, I saw this in June when riots were kind of, you know, the big main thing Hotline. in the news and it, it was a brilliant movie. 24 hours, kind of them crossing Paris, kind of a lot of one, you know, single takes, beautiful camera work. Um, Vincent Cassell is the main man in it. I don't know if you know Vincent Cassell. No, this is so over my head as far as um, artsy type just films. For, just for, um, okay there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you show me his face, yeah. yeah. That man, your Vincent man. Cassell, from, he was in Black Swan, um, mm -hmm. Westworld recently. Um, yeah, couldn't tell you who he played in Westworld. He, played, he was in Westworld oh, season, season three. Oh, season three, I didn't watch it. I, yeah, I've seen yeah. the trailer. Brilliant movie, very very sad. Three characters kind of traversing Paris um, over twenty four hours, as I mentioned, and very interesting movie. Um, don't want to give too much away about it, but it's definitely one of those movie, like pinnacle films. I think you should watch. should watch. And definitely, if you can see the four K version of it, what's it rate? Um, I'll have to look it up and see better. what it's rated on IMDb. Uh, it's got a eight point one out of ten. Well, that's great. That might be in the top two fifty. And I give it, I give it nine um, out of ten. And that's your number on your list, what? That was number. That is number nine on my list, actually. Wow, and that's um, a nine out of ten. My my top doesn't even reach nine out of ten wow. on IMDb. Yeah, I'm I'm very I'm very very generous with the, the oil readings. Well, if you feel that, you know, I, it uh, Im improves the whole experience if you enjoy it more. You know, True. I wish I'd, I'd got that. Uh, luckily, um, interesting nice. number eight uh, is Ida. It's a film that came out in twenty thirteen. Um, the premise, a novice nun about to take her vows uncovers a family secret dating back to the German occupation. So this was a Polish film by Paweł Pawelowski, I think is how you pronounce his name, um, starring a girl called Agata Trzebuski. And her, um, it's once again, funny enough, this is also in black and white. Uh, brilliant movie set back in the, actually, it, it looks like it's set in like, the 50s or earlier but i do believe it might actually be set in like the 70s or, so, or something right. the 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 locations you know you, the time period is very hard to pin down because mm -hmm. a lot of the music i think seemed quite um a bit more contemporary if you know what i mean uh once again brilliant film can't really say much so as we were talking earlier about films that you know not too much happens it's kind of just about her kind of finding out about her past and what happened with her she, with her family um in the in the war but it's it's once again a, a brilliant made movie. She was okay. really good in it, um, and great great camera work. It looks beautiful. Um, so that's my two black and white European films, which um, <laughs> were, were, were were made when color was <laughs> you know a part of cinema. They decided to shoot in black and white. Um, I think the next one on my list. Oh, next one, Burning. So Burning is a south korean film and this is a film that very international i wish i had some <laughs> some more international stuff on my list this is a movie that has been on my watch list for probably the top of my watch list for about a year i saw the trailer and i thought it was the coolest looking thing ever mm -hmm. um it's 
directed by a guy called Chang Dong Lee, and it's based on a short story by um, a really popular writer called Haruki Murakami. Now, I've only I've only read one of his books. I read Norwegian Wood in the in the summer there, and I didn't actually really like it. Um, no. It's one of his most popular books. He's he's really popular writer. Did they translate it into English? Or the, well, the book or the film? Or the, the, the book. <laughs> I hope so, because I read it. I don't. <laughs> I can't read Korean to save myself. Thought that maybe you've been watching so many <laughs> Korean films that it just bleeds in the ears. Yeah, I was just flicking <laughs> through this book, reading it. No, yeah, it was it was an English thing. Um, it stars a guy called Ah In You. Um, he was recently in a film we ch- chatted about on the last podcast, um, Hashtag Alive, another South Korean film. Hashtag Alive. Um, I watched another, uh, a film called Alive this year. The, it was to do with the rugby players being uh, oh, yes. cr- crash on the, the planes. Crash on yeah. the plane. Um, it also stars The Walking Dead, Stephen Young. Um, he played mm-hmm. a character called Ben. Glenn. <laughs> Funny. <It's called laughs> and his character in this is called uh, Ben. Glenn, I remember Glenn, you telling Glenn. me about this film. Mm. So this was Stephen Yeun. Stephen Yeun is American-Korean, I believe. Uh-huh. So this was his very first Korean movie. He's actually made all of his films. After The Walking Dead, he's made movies, but I think they've all been American productions. So I think he was a bit, um, he was, he was a bit worried going into this, but he did a fantastic job. Um, he kind of plays, they talked about his character almost like a Great Gatsby-type character, kind of mm-hmm. this kind of strange fella who comes into the story um sorry i haven't actually, haven't actually given the concept once again you'll probably read this concept and be like that sounds like the most randomest thing ever jong su bumps into a girl who used to live in the same neighborhood who asks him to look after her cat while she's on a trip to africa when back she introduces ben that's stephen young's character a mysterious guy she met there who confesses a secret hobby so his secret hobby is um burning greenhouses greenhouses so he's a real he drives this porsche he's really rich but he loves driving out into like the countryside of Korea and just burning greenhouses like that's, that's very his, strange that's his I thing. feel like he needs therapy probably do- well the whole film is kind of you is don't know you, you don't know if it's a murder mystery you don't know if it's uh, so basically the, the girl goes yeah. missing the girl that, who the fellow knows from his childhood she goes missing but Ben's still about and he's kind of like he's out he's out he's out meeting other girls he's kind of um you know, he's going going to restaurants, and the main character comes across him. Main character isn't very wealthy. He lives on his um his father's old, his, his father's old lot, also out in the countryside. And um, his father is in, um, he's in jail for manslaughter. So it's kind okay. of it's it's a, he's kind of just about. So he's got some baggage. He's got some baggage, and and Stephen Young's character comes along. This kind of glitzy, glamorous fella who may or may not have killed this woman. And the whole film is kind of about, it's it's very tense, it's like a thriller, quite slow burning, there's a wee burning uh, reference there. <laughs> uh, fanta- it's kind of the, one of those movies you watch and it's like, that that's like cinema, that's amazing. That's, really? Oh, I'll have to start watching some yeah, of these. It's very, very, very interesting. Get um, into the Korean music, ever since um, Parasite. Parasite this year, and um, you know, in fact, if we didn't include that as a 2020 film, I think that definitely tops all of 2020 films for me. 100%. I think when it, if you know if we if we're doing this podcast at the end of the year, I reckon that's going to be pretty high in the list. Yeah. Comparison. I think some of the Oscars would have been the best bits of this year, best but I kind of count that as last year. Mm-hmm. So the final the final one of my international movies we're moving across to, I believe Brazil um, now for a film called Bacurau, B A C U R A U. Mm-hmm. Um, now this is the kind of film you watch a trailer for this movie there's like a there's a flying saucer and you're like 
is this a like an action movie is this a horror is this a, a thriller so basically after the death of her grandmother Teresa comes home to her matriarchal village in a near future Brazil to find a succession of sinister events that mobilizes all of its residents so basically this girl comes back to her hometown really small village in Brazil um, things start going strange people start going missing they check Google Maps and their country is no longer on the map so it's like are we getting like completely ousted from, yeah. from removed from the world these guys show up and start um basically start hunting the people in the town um mm. so it's very strange it's kind of about it's kind of like a do they ex give you the explanation at the end yeah or do you work that out you work it out yeah so um spoilers basically it's americans coming to the town to hunt people for sport so they it's kind of like people pay thousands of pounds to go on these like trips to like countries Sounds a bit like the purge a little, like, little bit like the purge yeah so basically it's about the town trying to defend themselves from this um these americans and, and there's a couple of germans there's a really famous german so actor called some upper class name? americans decide that um peasant shootings not enough oh, yeah they need to go and literally yeah. find human peasants yeah and, people in uh, brazil but it's a brilliant film it's uh, got sonia braga in it quite a famous um south american actress and udo kier He's quite a famous German uh, fella who was in it. Once again, brilliant movie, kind of them trying to defend the town, really kind of stylized. All, uh, at the, halfway through the film, there's like John Carpenter-esque, like synth music comes in and it becomes really like stylized, colorful, kind of mixes genres, so it does. Um, it's cool. Between it and Whisper of the Heart is gonna be a close call for my top films of the year, I have to say. Um, but yeah, that's my top. What did you read it on MDB? Should we go five, th five ten out of ten? And ten out of ten. Okay. What did um so, um what what are your films so far then on your list? So okay, we have got number ten, Grave of the Fireflies. Number nine, Lahian. Number eight, Ida. Number seven, Perfect Blue. Number six, Only Yesterday. Number five, Burning. Baccarat came in at number three. So we've only got four, right. four, two, and one still to tell you about. Right. Okay. Okay. That's very good. And would they all have been? It's nines and tens. I would say they're all either nines. tens or nines. Nines. Yeah. Right. Okay. Nice. Um, so just to go over mine again, that my number ten was I would probably put risky business if I was ranking them. Then probably risky business would be number ten. Uh, nine, eight, seven. Um, I think would be a toss-up between The King, V for Vendetta, and Eurovision. <laughs> it's a random one I put in there. I thought one comedy deserves to be put in there for 2020. Such a sad, miserable year. Um, and then now that we're into like what I, I'm putting my like top six, um, which I would give all of these eight out of ten on IMDb, um, and I, I I've thoroughly enjoyed them. Um, so uh, my number six is an anime and it is a Miyazaki film oh, um, and that's Lupita Castle in the Sky mm. um, it's one of his oldest films I believe it was in the 1980s it was made mm -hmm. uh, the animation it may trump a lot of his other animation I thought it was incredible as animation I think that um, I find it very hard to relate to films and visuals from 30 years ago because uh -huh. I'm so used to what we yeah. get now and what that was like 30 years ago mm -hmm. but I could tell from this film I, that that would have been very impressive 30 years ago mm -hmm. um, it feels more I think the reason I would say this is my highest ranked Miyazaki film now and I've watched probably about 5 or 6 of his mm -hmm. most popular ones like um, Spirited Away Princess Mononoke um, Howl's Moving Castle, Castle which yeah. was probably my favourite up till now and Lupita feels like the most Hollywood styled of his films. I find a lot of his endings, 
don't really come together for me. They all kind of had a, have a weird... Um, I don't really know what he's trying to say by the end of the film. And they don't wrap up very nicely. Maybe that's just because I've such a, I'm immersed in so much Hollywood um, growing up. But this one felt like an, a really good, solid kids film that adults could enjoy. Mm. Um, and it it had a really good villain in it. And I I like the idea of I think Miyazaki must have a bit of a fascination with planes and flying because there's a lot of his films that have elements of that yeah. and this one is literally a castle in the sky that they're trying to find and the castle's very impressive once they find it and um, really good villain as well an interesting villain in the film um, so that's my number six uh, my number five I think I would have I, Tonya at number five good movie so uh, this was a film that is really the one who front uh, like uh that had her name attached to it was really Margot Robbie. This is Margot Robbie's play for um, the Oscars. This was, I think, her first big transition from not just a popular actress, Mm -hmm. but a serious actress who wants awards. And um, she produced this, I believe, with her husband. Um, uh, Sebastian Stan's in it and Alison Janney's in it. And it won, I believe, Best Supporting Actress for Alison Janney. I think that was the big one that they came away with, but they were nominated for other awards. And it's a biopic about um, Tonya Harding, who's an ice skater. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure a lot of you have seen it. Um, but I, for me, biopics can be good, but they're never excellent for me. And this yeah. one, I think, almost pushed it a bit further than most biopics for me. I thought it was very quick. Well, good. it kept your attention the entire film. It was really funny. There was a character in it. Um, let me see if I can get his name. He played Sean, who's to- who is Tonya Harding's husband's best friend, mm-hmm. and he cracked me up the whole way through the film. Um, he almost looks a bit like a stoner, and you just would not trust him with any secrets of any sort. And of course, um, he makes a lot of mistakes with the media and backstabs people because he gets drawn into bribes and things right. and he's hilarious in it um, and you can't tell where this biopic's going either I think a lot of biopics are very predictable this one kind of kept shifting and moving about and your your the biopic who it's about Tonya Harding is not an innocent person in this whole thing mm-hmm. she can be very aggressive um, so it had a really good side to her and I thought um, I think it's probably the best bit of acting I've seen Margot Robbie to do so and I think it deserved those awards. So um, really impressed for it. It's probably one of the best biopics of the twenty tens for me. Oh, that's a great film. What do you think of it, Tonya? I loved it. Isn't the, the, I love the way they did the interviews, like the interviews back and forth. Yes, you know, that was really well done. I think, I think it was interweaved quite well. Yeah, I think. And the, did she break the fourth wall? Is there bits where like they talk to the camera yes. or something? I yes, I love that part of it. Uh huh. Well. I don't normally like that because mm. I'm not a big fan of like Deadpool. Deadpool. He was the big one who kind of pushed that through. But this worked very, very well, I thought, with the breaking of the mm. wall. Also, um, obviously, they had to show ice skating a lot. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Um, and very professional ice skating. Mm-hmm. And um, it was incredible how they made it look like it was Margot Robbie doing it. I assume she didn't do all that. No, sure. no, I don't believe <laughs> so. It, so. Wasn't it was all hers. It was all CGI. There's a good video on YouTube, I think, that shows you one of the scenes of... Um of Tonya Harding, the real Tonya Harding skating and the scene in the movie and it's like like for like. It just shows them both side by side and the wow. camera the camera movement is exactly the same. Because I couldn't so, even uh, see any CGI in there. No. I found it really hard to even see that. Um, and her mother 
it's very sad parts of the film as well with mm. Tonya Harness who not only can it be hilarious one minute but it then can be you know bring you right down to the reality yeah. of life sometimes <laughs> um, my next film so that was number five my next number film number four are we keeping the last three to yeah I, I realise I only have two left after this so I had four and four so oh right okay okay I'll so, do the next two mm-hmm. my maths is terrible <laughs> um, okay the next one I'm going to put Bird Box as my number three of the year wow. uh, that I watched another Netflix one was that this year to crop up. I feel like I watched Bird no, Box no it wasn't this year oh. it was I think it was last Christmas so not not the Christmas just passed but the Christmas before that yeah, it feels like it's been like a year or so since I watched that or more. Uh-huh. So you only watched this this year? I only watched time, it this or? year for the first time. I was not in in that um, group of people who was <laughs> hunting around towns doing stuff. I didn't even know what the concept was. All I knew was everyone was having to put out warnings not to do this bird box craze. What, um, what was that craze? So the whole film's about having to blindfold yourself. Otherwise, um, you get converted into the demons that are out there. There's these whispers or something, and once you see them or you make eye contact, they come. They they come. You become kill. a zombie, basically. Oh yeah, and they they kill you then, do they? And then I think they kill you. Yeah. I think that's what happened in the end. So yeah, loads of people were walking around, going onto railway tracks and stuff, blindfolded <laughs> and doing reckless things like that. The public. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so I I just heard it was very very popular on Netflix. I I'm a big fan of Sandra Bullock. Mm and um, watched it and again it's it's basically another zombie take film remember we were saying last week there's so many so different many takes on films. this but this was um, a new different type of take which you look back on and go this I can't believe it's taken this long to actually use this idea it's such a simple idea yeah. um, and it's it's really good um, really really tense the whole way through the film John Makovich is in it playing a douchebag as usual <laughs> And uh, I assumed the kids that she was looking after in all the trailers were her own, but they're not. They're, I think they're people that she finds. Yes. Mm. I think maybe one of them's hers, or one of them's not. I can't remember. Yeah, one of them's one definitely of the not, because something really tragic happens, which I'll not spoil just before that. Um, yeah. So yeah, really good film, and I would happily watch a sequel to that. Interesting. Um, and then my third place... I haven't got these in order. Um, is this going to be a tough one? What am I going to put third? I'm going to say time trap. Time trap. Time trap. You've probably not, never heard of. I haven't this. heard of it. I don't think I heard you chatting about this one. I think you m- maybe did because I I probably went over the top about it. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I just switched off. <laughs> Um, came out in 2017 I'll tell you how few people have actually rated it to show you how small a film this is this is probably as indie as it gets for mm. me 26,000 people have rated this on IMDb with a, a score of 6.3 which is not good oh, wow. but I give this an 8 um, it's very low budget um, none of the actors you'd recognise in it there's probably no point even saying director's called Mark Dennis probably never heard of him um, but if again, you're listening Mark we really <laughs> apologise that our Mark has just ripped into you something shocking. <laughs> You've not heard of him, but you will hear, you will him, hear of him. Um I hope he's going places <laughs> after this. Uh, again, remember I was saying last week that um, my Achilles heel is time travel type um, films, and this is right on that, like mm. smacking that Achilles heel. Um, a different take on time travel, uh, very low budget, something that we probably could make mm. on the budget that they used. And. Um, Really, yeah, really good. I don't want to spoil it too much because the premise is kind of a spoiler. Um, obviously, it involves time. But yeah, really good. Really advise people to watch it. 
and that's my my uh, six to three. Six to three. Good, okay. Right, I'm back in. My sorry, my phone was dying there, so I had to write down the information about the movies <laughs> on my iPad because I don't want to start talking about the film. Oh, I can look them up for you. <laughs> and as well, then you're like, you're... who directed that? And I'm like, well, I don't know. We're a lot better than I am at the moment, so I can't get any names. <laughs> okay, so my my top two is it's quite interesting because oh sorry, wait, let's start again. So my last two. Um, it's number four and number one on my list. Both of these films take place in San Francisco. One of the movies is really about San Francisco, the other one not so much. Um, so number four is Always Be My Maybe. So this was a Netflix rom-com that I believe came out a couple of years ago. I've heard of this. I'm going to um, look it up. I apologise if I get the director's name wrong. It might be Nana Tachaka Khan. If you can read it out on IMDb and tell me if I'm oh, right. Oh, Yes. So this is a film with Ali Wong and Rondell Park. Yes, I've and seen um, Rondell Park and things mm. before. So he, he, in the interview, famously he was he was Kim Jong Un in the interview. Very fantastic. I think that was. Don't good think news. I could look at him the same. Watch another no, film after that. He, he's brilliant. He's brilliant in this now. Um, and so is Ali Wong. So it's kind of a story about two two characters who knew each other from childhood. Um, they were friends. They started dating when they were teens, and then they broke up and they haven't seen each other for maybe 15 years, 15, 20 years. So they come back. He, the, the, this Ali Wong's character has now become a really famous chef. She has a couple of restaurants, and she's about to open a new restaurant in San Francisco where she was brought up. Um, Randall Park's character, on the other hand, he is he works with his dad as, like a, um, I think they're like, they install lights in, in houses, so they're, he's an electrician, I suppose. Um, and basically, she buys this new big mansion in... Uh, in San Francisco and the dad shows up and they meet again another you know they meet he's about to put some lights into her house and it's kind of about they hit each other the, the breakup didn't go well they're not big they weren't good friends and it's kind of about them coming back together and rekindling their love and if you know how a rom-com goes you know it's probably going to end up with the both together but honestly hilarious we we watched it was one of one of the Friday Saturday night films we put on it's just both characters fantastic. Ali Wong has two stand-up specials on Netflix, which are absolutely hilarious. Is it the girl? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the female in it. Yeah. I think one's called Baby Cobra. Uh, I'm not quite sure what the other stand-up's called, but both very funny. She's heavily pregnant, when she does both of these stand-ups, and they are drop dead hilarious. Like, uh, brilliant. It's got good ratings on IMDb. Mm. I'm just checking here. The Metascore 64. Um, that's good for a rom-com. Yeah. And um, the audience rating, 6.8, which again is pretty good for mm. rom-coms don't seem to do very well with ratings. Yeah, I think good. this one of the films watched during lockdown, it kind of shoot, it's just people enjoying themselves, you know, out at bars, and you know, it's something that we weren't do, aren't, have, weren't being able to do at the time. It was just enjoyable to watch, you know, people enjoying themselves. <laughs> you can't do it, at least you can watch other people enjoy it. watch other people have fun doing it. And so finally, the last film on my list, my number one, I only watched this maybe three, three weeks ago. As the drum roll but it's, it's got affecting noise, I can't talk. It's not an earthquake, it's, a, it's uh, just a drum roll. Yeah, so my final film, my my number one, is The Last Black Man in San Francisco. So another film that takes part, takes place in San Francisco. It's directed by a guy, guy called Joel Talbot, um, and it stars a guy called Jimmy Falls. The character is called Jimmy Falls, this guy is called Jimmy Falls, and it is a true, near enough true story about this, um, this man in San Francisco who grew up in this like beautiful mansion one of if you remember when we were san francisco you know the beautiful ones on a hill and they're like big very uh, yes japanese design very stylized japantown japantown uh, 
inner city districts <laughs> city district. that I have visited. You love Japan town. So basically, it's, it's this, guy, this guy who grew up in this house. He's now older. He kind of romanticizes this house as being his childhood where his parents were still together. You know, he was happy then and he loves this house. And he goes, he goes, and, he goes and visits the house. The, the current owners don't like that. He, he, he's outside like painting. Like he paints like the... Strange. Yeah, he's, he's, he's trying to keep the house. Therapy. Yeah, he's trying to keep the house in good nick, and the woman's like, "Get off my property! I, I don't, I don't want you here." Basically, the the, the family who live there, um, there's a bit of a discussion, I think, with the woman's sister, and she has to move out. So the the house is now empty; it's bare. So they move in. They they break down the door and move in. So it's kind of they're existing in this house which they don't own. They're um. You know they're almost like squatters there, um, in, in, enjoying the life. So he's it's it's a lot about him kind of remembering his past and lo- like something idolize- dark happened in his past. Idolizing this house. Well, I think basically the whole thing is that that wasn't the house that they grew up in. Oh, um, it's kind of, so he goes into he goes into talks his dad. He's like, "That's like that's not your old house. That's not." So he's kind of re- romanticized. When do you find that out? About halfway through the. Oh, it's a bit of twist halfway through. So the kind of the endings, you know, they can't stay there, and he wants to stay there. Like this house is probably like five, six, seven million pounds, mm-hmm. and the, the the two main characters um, aren't very well off. They live in a. What's the reason then for being in the house if it's not his house? Well, so it's now free, so that they're now living in it and kind of... What's his connection to it as to why he really wanted to be in this house then? That's a good question. Um, connection to it. Well, I think because he, he remembers this as being like his childhood. Oh, it's and just it, like his yeah, house. It's just it's right. kind of like his house. So he really, um, it's a guy called Jimmy Falls, first time acting. He's a really great character in it. And it also has a guy called Jonathan Majors in it. Um, Jonathan Majors is... In the new HBO show Lovecraft Country as well, he is fantastic. I think he's a really brilliant up and coming actor. He's he's funny. He's eccentric. He's kind of like a wee bit. Like, What's his name? Quirky John, Jonathan Majors. Um, okay. As far as I know, it's been reported that he's going to be playing Kang in the um, in the third Ant Man film. So he's going to be one of the new big Mar- Marvel villains. Um, he was fantastic in it. Beautiful film. Very beautifully shot. Um, Really well directed by Joel Talbot, and just a film you have to see. Great. Nice. You're, um, there is a thread, a theme, uh-huh. that has run through a lot of your films. You've clearly went very um, Asian over the... Uh, yeah. Immersing yourself in um, f- Asian film culture mm-hmm. in the past, um, <coughs> in the lockdowns in 2020. Yeah. Um, even that last film you were saying about, uh, like, Japanese... Yeah, the house has got a... I think it's got a Japanese architect who designed it's, it, so it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's cool. Yeah, I like how you've actually got a theme to a lot of your films. <laughs> it's, it's nice. Um, so, yeah, that's, my, that's my top ten. Nice. I'll have to get some of those on the watch list. Because mm, um, so. most of them I've still not even heard of. Um, mine are a lot more mainstream. <laughs> Except for Time, time Warp or whatever it's called. <laughs> time Drop. Time, time drop. <laughs> There's another film just like that. It's called, I think... Is it incoherence or something? I'll find it out for next time. Mm-hmm. And it, it's in the same sort of vein, again, time. Um, okay, my top two. Um, this would be a toss-up. One of these came out only, I believe, two years ago. And the other one came out about 20 years ago. Okay. So I'm going to put the one that came out a couple of years ago, I'm going to put a number two. And that was Upgrade. Mm. Um, have you seen Upgrade? No, it is on my list. Um, it looks very interesting. So, um, Upgrade is by the same director who just did The Invisible Man, um, and I will get you that name in a minute. 
um, and it's a sci-fi film. It's quite low budget. Um, the main actor is called Logan Lerman. Logan no. Green, Logan Marshall Green, and it's about him. I think this came out around Venom, and they're quite mm. similar aspects. That he gets given this AI body, basically, that gets put in his brain, mm. and it has a certain level of control over him. It can help him to do what he needs to do. Mm. So he becomes paralyzed from an accident, and he then goes on and um, gets this AI in him. And it gives him kind of almost this superpowers, but he can't control it fully. He starts to lose control over over it. Mm-hmm. So it makes decisions for him, a lot of illegal decisions, like killing people. Oh. And um, um, really quick paced. Um, the pacing's really good, and the acting's good. Um, and it's something that you could see happening from... It's a, It seems like a real world that we could end up in. Mm-hmm. Um, especially after listening or reading that book during the summer, the Homo Deus book yeah. by Yuval Noah. Uh, Noah Yuval? No. Yuval Noah Harari? Harari, yeah. Yuval Harari. Harari. <laughs> uh, probably didn't say that right. But, sorry, Yuval. Um, sorry, Yuval. Um, Lee Winnell, that's his name. Director. He's the one who, with James Wan, basically made the first Saw film. Oh. And then James Wan, we know, has had quite the career since. Mm. And I don't know what happened to Winnell. Maybe he just got the short end of the stick and um, <laughs> Wan just took all his took all um, fame. But um, he's come back with a vengeance with... Invisible Woman, Invisible Man, and this Upgrade film. So I think he's got big things on the horizon. I reckon he'll be maybe picked for a a superhero film. It seems like he would fit nicely in that. Um, And also, I thought what really pushed this up to as high as it is on my list is there's about two or three great twists that all happen at the end of the film. Oh, very good. So you think it's one thing, and then it's another thing. Mm. And it works really well. Yeah, it's one of those. It's one of the few cyberpunk movies. It's kind of cyberpunk is like the genre, I agree. which is like Blade Runner and stuff. That kind of near future where like humans use tech to improve their lives. This is obviously something that we could we we all are currently kind of doing. You know, stuff like Apple yeah. Watches is like the start of that. Yeah, which yeah. is very interesting. This yeah. is just leading into actually putting the technology into the body itself. Mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely could see life going that way. Hopefully, it looks a bit less tragic the dystopia world mm. um okay and then my number one is if i can find it untouchable um so this is actually a french film this is probably as um european as i'm gonna get on this list and that says something i think you know with my film mm-hmm. taste that a french film has made it to number one in a year of films for me sorry if i got that right yes i do so i I just looked up Untouchables. Yeah, so untu- it's one of those Untouchable. One of those movies that I keep get. I ca- either called Untouchables or The Untouchables or <laughs> Untouchable, and I, I can I can never get the, the, the title of that movie wrong, right. Because there's a few films that are like it's very similar to it. Mm-hmm. I don't know even know if I'm pronouncing it right. It might be the French pronunciation. It's got a very high rating on IMDb. That's what attracted mm-hmm. me to it. Um, it's got eight point five on IMDb. Loads of people have rated it, and Metascore's not all that great. But very, very high on IMDb, so I gave it a watch, especially after my attention was drawn to it with uh, Brian Cranston and Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart doing the Hollywood remake that they brought out a couple of years ago. It, it had a different name. Upside Down or The Upside? The Just Upside or something, upside. yeah. Which I heard wasn't as good as the original. But so I was like, I'll watch the original. And um, really, really good. Um, really heartfelt, very, it felt very real as a film. It's all about a paraplegic 
uh, who's very, very rich. He's a bit of a French aristocrat, and he needs a helper to help him out around the house. But he doesn't just want a boring helper. He wants someone who's not going to go easy on him. Someone that'll... He can really live out the last year or two of his life to the best of his ability, and someone who won't pity him. And this is where he comes across Omar Sy's character. Um, and I had... I've didn't realise I'd spotted him in so many other films oh, before okay. and he was amazing in this he was the big standout I don't know if he won any awards for his acting but he really should have he was really really good in this um, and there's a scene with oh, if I can get the music um, there's a classic Earth Wind Fire Earth Wind and Fire yes. I have seen that scene him have you seen that yeah. scene and that like oh, it rejuvenated how much I like that oh, song really? <laughs> and he's really good in it and um, it's just a really a real film um, and just really great performances and definitely go out and watch it it's definitely it d- deserves to be as high as it is on IMDb it's one I have to see it really is not bad so that's, that's us number one yeah our top ten films of lockdown 2020 lockdowns because we're in multiple lockdowns now <laughs> don't know how many we've been in <laughs> don't know how Two, this has happened again we've ended up in the exact same catastrophic position as we were six months ago mm-hmm. so yeah we're, that's us that's our top ten films um We'll be back again in the next couple of weeks. Oh, what, what are you watching at the moment, Corey? Oh, we'll finish we off with that, maybe. Great question. <laughs> uh, what am I watching at the moment? Um, the Mandalorian. That's of one course. of our main shows. Watched season 2 just came out, Season 2. Episode so 1. We've watched Episode 1. We've got our Disney Plus subscription, and that's pretty much the only thing we're using it for. <laughs> Disney are mopping up a lot uh, of money out of people too, right? at the moment for one um, First series. episode was great. Um, really looking forward to seeing what they do with the rest of the series. Oh, I was going to say Disney's one of the few things streaming services now that mm. are releasing seasons episode by episode weekly by week, week yeah. by week rather than all at once which has become the norm mm-hmm. um, how do you feel like that does that fit okay yeah I understand I prefer that because I think a lot of the time if you can if you binge one of my big issues with binging is if you watch like three episodes in one go you pretty much have only watched one episode and you can't really tell the difference between the two you know it, it all yeah, kind of blurs. blurs in so I do like having the bit of space with episodes you get to see time. Time I think I series. prefer that as well uh, we also started watching uh, on Amazon Prime uh, Truth Seekers it's the new okay. Edgar uh, not, I'm not quite sure if it's Edgar right it's um, Nick Frost and Simon Pegg so Nick Frost is the main character and he, he's like a um, installs Wi-Fi. I'm not quite sure what that job's called. Um, a telecommunicator, maybe. Um, okay. st- installs Wi-Fi, and it's kind of like uh, ET technician. ET technician. <laughs> um, I think Simon Pegg is the. He's like the, the boss of the telecommunications company. Um, but it's it's kind of got like a horror twist to it. So he's um, he's kind of a he's got his own YouTube channel where he, he you know really poorly films going about houses and you know seeing seeing if they're haunted or not and his most famous clip is like him he, he, there's a new, there's a new guy on the job so it's kind of about this like new character coming in and he um nick frost not really liking that there's someone new with the job you know he's like he's really good at his telecom job uh-huh. and he doesn't want this new guy so new guy comes in it's kind of this young fella and he's like oh what are you doing he's like um you know i've got my own youtube channel where i do um haunted house and the guy's like oh I don't really believe in in, in ghosts but have you ever experienced anything and Nick Frost's like go to my YouTube channel check uh, check the video go keep going down go to the, the it was like one of his first videos and it's like it's like a nine hour recording of this door closing and, he, and he's like 
that door it's just clear that door just closed to that that's a, a hunting experience and it's like and maybe it's just a really slow door it's very it's a it's funny it's kind of got that that um you know simon pegg's nick frost kind of comedy shawn of dead kind of comedy um so we're only an episode one but i'm What's interested that on amazon? it's on amazon prime amazon. Yeah. okay Nice. What about yourself? What are you watching? Um, I am um, just started um, Doctor Sleep after yeah. talking about The Shining last week. So I like that you watch films in like in sections. In sections, that's what it's <laughs> happened. That's what's become of me. I just don't have the attention span to no. watch a full film now. I saw that this is like three hours long. This film, so I was like, this is definitely going to be a section. It's definitely like a, a one month or few. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> um, I'm interspersed with loads of other films. Mm-hmm. Um, and what else I just finished watching The Da Vinci Code again I just read the book Dan Brown's book um, I was recommended I never read his books and I was recommended to read them because there's nothing else to do in lockdown so I've got back reading and um, so I wanted to see the film again having read the book and mm. it was good so it's one I never saw I haven't seen any of the Da Vinci Code films um, it's definitely something mm. probably be quite an enjoyable like Friday Saturday night film so yeah, it's surprising. It's um, I didn't really like the ending of the book, and therefore I didn't really. It's a very faithful adaptation that Ron Howard does. Ron Howard directed this, um, and he probably did as good his job as he could. I think he should have changed bits of the book, um, but I still think I prefer the likes of National Treasure to the Da Vinci Code. Um, maybe I need to watch National Treasure again because I watched it when I was a lot younger, enjoying it. But um, yeah, it was still good. So that's what I'm at the moment. So hopefully next week I will have all my sections of Doctor Sleep done to actually give you some. Give us a wee, oh, give us a wee bit of thought on Doctor Sleep next week. Yeah. So that's us for this week.